Father, in Jesus' name, we love you and thank you for being who you are. Because of who you are, we give you glory. Be glorified today. Bless us, bless us. Empower us by the powerful revelation of your word and your presence with us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. How many of you have enjoyed a pastor's series on music of the heart? Let's clap our hands. I certainly have. I've been blessed by it uh, personally. I know about that. I know in leadership you have to be the, the pace setter, the music maker for people. So it's so awesome to hear pastors share about that. And uh, um, I encourage you always to go to calvaryvision.com and re-listen to these things to build your faith. But how many of you know that it's not easy to keep music brewing in your spirit and in your soul. How many of you have ever awakened, awakened and, and there was a song in your spirit? That, that, has that ever happened to you? I mean, it happens to me a lot. I'm a musician and singer, so, so there are times when songs are just in me, and I love to wake up that way. But then there are days, everybody, when it doesn't happen, <laughs> and you wake up just as ugly as everybody else, and your attitude can be just as bad as everyone else's. And in those moments, you have to understand how to get in the right spirit. Amen? And so uh, I am encouraged this week because a couple of weeks ago, everybody, I received great news again that they scanned my body at the cancer center, and I am free again of all disease. (laughs) Hallelujah. So I'm just praising the Lord, you know. And uh, this last time, they had the nerve to make me wait a little longer than usual. And so I'm, you know, a little like 30, 45 minutes, I'm waiting for the doctors to get, I'm like, okay, come on, guys, this is getting scary here. But when they finally called me in the office, they, they overwhelmed me with good news. They said, I have organs that are for a healthy of a 30-year-old male, pretty good, huh? You know, for God has had poison in his body twice, uh, the Lord has been with me, Amen. And then the same week, I got some news from my family that was, um, well, how can I say it? It broke my heart. And so we live between these competing uh, worlds, these competing trends and, and strains and forces is the best word, that sometimes they're good, sometimes they're bad, and sometimes when you are going through those situations, it's hard to make music in your heart. I set a timer so I wouldn't be too long. (laughs) And it already went off, so that's weird. Let me set another one. (laughs) So, yeah, yeah, the shortest sermon ever. Goodbye, everybody, you know. Pastor would love that. (laughs) So, but my point is that you find yourself there. It's not easy to create music, let alone for yourself and for others. If you're a husband or a father and and then you're a leader, you know, it's hard to give people your rhythm if you don't have one. And so today I wanted to talk under the same banner of discussion that Pastor has been leading us in concerning music of the heart. But I want to talk about vital signs of the heart. You know, the heart that is going to make music will have to understand the vital signs of being able to do that successfully and consistently. Now, like I said, sometimes the things that happen in your life, they can stop your heart. Has anyone ever gone through something that caused you to flatline? You ever saw on the the television? I guess this thing here is keep stopping at a minute, and I'm just not that fast here, guys. Let me reset. 
All right, I, I wish it wouldn't do that, but... So, sometimes you feel like you flatlined, and if you watch television, you've seen that they, you know, they say, um, uh, what, what do they say, guys, when they have the things that are going to jump your heart, stat or something, and then they, you know, they're trying to get a pulse. And sometimes it's hard to get a pulse out of your life because things happen that are designed by the enemy to try and stop you in your tracks. You don't always control all the situations that occur in your life. And uh, I was thinking while preparing about that episode in, in a little few years ago of a, a pilot, a passenger pilot, who landed the plane in an emergency situation, I believe, on the Hudson River. And um, I think they call it Miracle on the Hudson or something. But it was his skill set in that crisis that enabled him to be able to do that successfully. It was his skill set. He was ready. Somebody say he was prepared. Say prepared. Come on, say prepar. Subpar would be unprepared. Prepar means that you are ready for what comes and what happens. A few years ago, prior to that, John F. Kennedy Jr., the, the great son of promise of the Kennedy family, he uh, was a pilot, he was a trained pilot, and he decided to fly his plane and his family to New England for the holiday weekend. But he was only rated as a sight pilot, a sight-rated pilot. He was not an instrument-rated pilot. And so he was supposed to fly by the horizon line. If you're sight-rated, you can fly by your sight. But if you are instrument rated, you can fly by night by the confidence you have in your instruments and your training. And they say that when they found uh, John Jr.'s plane, he had been flying full speed, Dan, as if he was going straight on the horizon line. He was actually not going horizontal. He was going vertical. He went straight into the ocean because he couldn't see the horizon line over the ocean. My point is, guys, that nothing is vital to you until you're in a vital situation. That's why we appreciate hospitals, because a hospital is prepared for you whether you get sick or not. The doctors train, the nurses are trained, they're ready for a gamut of situations that could arise in your life. They may not get sick, but they're there because you might get sick. And that is why in this verse here that we see in Romans 1.16, I want to try to take you in the next couple of minutes from that place of shame that Paul alludes to in his past, but he had come to a place now where he could say, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to anyone that believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. We want to move you from a place of shame and unpreparedness to a place of belief and confidence. In the beginning of Romans, Romans 1, 1, Paul makes this statement. He says, I, Paul, a prisoner of the Lord. He says, I have been separated unto the 
gospel of Jesus Christ. This is a man that is saying, listen, I haven't been cut off from the word. I've been locked in with the word and the Christ, the Lord of the word. And that word has made me confident to say to you, uh, pious Romans, you Christians who are Roman citizens, I'm saying to you that I have no confidence in this world. My confidence is in my citizenship in the kingdom of God, and I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm ready. I, I've, I've prayed. I've studied. I have, I have the word in me. I'm ready to be offered for the purpose of Christ. So we want to move from a place of shame to confident belief. And then when we have confident belief in Romans 5, 1 through 5, we see that therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, th through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand and we boast in the hope of the glory. We want to move you from from belief into faith in God, and then position you in a place where you rest in the hope of the glory of God. You may be uncomfortable. A woman who is pregnant, she may be uncomfortable, but she learns to rest in her discomfort because she has a hope of the glory of a child. An athlete, now that we're in the Olympic time, Athletes do not claim, the champions do not claim the pain, they claim the victory. They do not go and saying, oh, I just don't care, maybe I'll get a bronze. You won't get that. They go in saying, I can, I can win the gold. They have a hope of glory. One of the things that the Lord is teaching me is that you have to position yourself in God. The Bible says, let us therefore labor, therefore, to enter into that rest. I believe it is Hebrews 7. Let us labor, therefore, to enter into rest. So there is a labor portion of your journey. I'm sure you've all experienced that. Uh, I, the best example I give often is about a, a spaceship. You know, it takes all that fuel, guys, to break out of the atmosphere the gravitational pull of the earth. But once you get out of the earth's gravitational hold, you could push that big spaceship with your finger and it would move. The point is that it takes a lot of energy to build up in your faith, in your spirit, to grow up. Somebody say grow up. Please understand you've got to grow up. None of us start off as adults in this walk, guys. We're all born again. And no baby is born fully grown. We are all born, as it is in the natural, so it is in the spirit. We are all born as babes. And no matter how intellectually successful we are, no matter how much we've accomplished, we begin our spiritual journey as babes. And by eating and feeding on the word of God, that's the only thing your spirit eats to grow. You grow and become stronger and more aware, more wise, and more able now to fight the forces that are against you and begin to walk uprightly on this earth to the glory of God. Amen? At some point, you know, we don't even think about gravity, do we? I mean, we don't think about gravity. But we're always working against gravity. We just get strong enough to do what we must do even against 
contrary forces. Are you with me? So I've learned now that you have to begin to see things differently and position yourself in a way. That's why I say labor, therefore, to enter into that rest. Because as you can imagine, when you get out of the earth's orbit, looking at the earth takes on a whole different perspective, right? And that's what God wants you to have. He doesn't want you to have your perspective because you're in the situations you're in. He wants you to have his perspective. Somebody say his mind. The Bible says, let this mind be in you that was also in Christ Jesus. Though he was equal with God, Philippians says, he thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but humbled himself and made himself of no rep. In essence, God, if you don't do it, I'm going to rest in you. If you don't rescue me, if you don't save me, then I won't be saved. Now, how many of you know that's a, that's a, that's a job for Jesus right there? When you get to the place where you've done everything you can, and all you can do now is trust and have great confidence in God and the hope of glory. I'm back to that pregnant woman again. Who's pregnant here? Might be somebody pregnant. you Pulling on, my, pulling on my anointing today if you're pregnant, you know. Pregnant woman has to wait for the time of delivery. You know, she may toss and turn, but she's got to wait. And the key is God is always trying to help us learn how to wait well. Somebody say wait well. See, it's one thing to wait, but you've been in a, in a waiting room. Some people wait and they're very impatient. They're anxious, right? They have no rest. They have no peace. Then what God wants you to be is that person in the waiting room of life who has rest and has peace. Amen? Bring your Bible. How many of you know about that? Bring something to read. Bring something to feed your spirit with. Use that time wisely and wait for the manifestation. Somebody say manifestation. Well, listen, there will be no manifestation until there is a man infestation. That's why I'm saying in the midst of your trial, in the midst of what you're going through, in the midst of your waiting, you have to be feeding yourself spiritual things. Amen. You have to be worshiping God. You know, one of the things that um, we are trying as pastors around here to get you to understand is that when you come to prayer together, when you come to worship together, it makes everybody get stronger. You know, there are, there, are, there are anointings that we glean from each other. There are the same way you can catch a cold and you don't know where you caught it from. It's the same way you can catch a victory from somebody else. You can catch a word. The Bible says that we overcome the evil one by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. When we are together, you can hear somebody else say how God delivered their marriage, how God delivered them out of poverty, out of debt, out of sickness, out of disease. And you can have faith from their testimony that God will do the same for you. A change of perspective is necessary. There was a young woman. Her name was Dr. Mildred Pfeiffer. And in 1953, she was tasked by the Department of Health to travel around the country and begin to teach people, particularly Pennsylvania, Department of Health of Pennsylvania, to teach kids about the importance of heart health. 
And she got a brainstorm one day as she was traveling, leaving her family, tired, exhausted. She said, why am I going around the world trying to teach everybody and they won't even listen to what I'm saying? I have to find a way to not me go to them. I have to find a way to bring them to me. If you're familiar with the Franklin Institute and the Heart Exhibit, raise your hand if you've been to the Franklin Institute and the Heart Exhibit. It was one of my favorites, you know, growing up. You know, I've probably been there a hundred times. Well, she was the one that came up with that idea. Well, instead of me chasing everybody around trying to tell them the importance of the heart, I will build a heart big enough for them to come see what I'm trying to teach them. And when we're trying to have hearts that make music, guys, when we get beyond the orbit or gravitational forces of our own selfish-driven lives, because, folks, all of us are blessed to be a blessing. So I know that where you are in your development, you know, when you're growing up, children are selfish. You don't have to tell a child how to say mine, right? That child will automatically, its sinful nature makes it think about itself. And there's a period of your growth in the spirit where it's all about you. It is all about you. You know, you just, you're in this thing because you're hurting. You're trying to get healed. You're trying to get things right in your life. But there comes a time when God wants to bless you so that you can be a blessing. There comes a time when you no longer think about, is this going to just be good for me? But am I going to humble myself and become a servant to others like Jesus did? That's where the real blessing is, guys. Believe me. That's where we see our pastor in right now. It's far beyond just his success. It's that God looks good. Are you hearing me? It's that others are inspired to obey God like he did when he gave his heart away. Guys, who does that? You know what I mean? Who gives their heart away? Really? I mean, I give away food. I give away money. But your heart? He obeyed God in that moment because he was prepared to. Amen? And when he did that, he kicked over into another dimension where his life was no longer about him. His life was about others. And that's where God is trying to take every last one of us. And in order to do that, we have to change our perspective. We have to understand to be music makers of the heart, we have to be willing to turn our hearts inside out. We have to be willing to share some of the most horrific, painful, shameful things in our lives with others. You know, one day I'm going to do this. I meant to even bring these gloves today, but in my line of work as a catering manager, I have to put on gloves to make sure I handle people's food properly. And let me tell you something. Sometimes I think our churches can be so sterile. It's like we've all got on these plastic gloves. And though they're form-fitting and, you know, they look like real hands, sometimes when we hug each other, we're not really hugging each other. We're not really touching each other. We're just having a few minutes together and nothing's being exchanged. There's no good virtues being passed. We're not opening our hearts and saying, hey, this week wasn't a great week, man. I failed this week. I failed miserably this week. We're not willing to be transparent. We're not willing to open up our hearts. Amen? So others can come in. Like Mildred discovered when she invented the big heart at the Franklin Institute. She said, I'm not going to travel around trying to tell you a little piece of your heart. I want you to come enter my heart. This is my love. This is my passion. Enter my heart. It requires a change of position and perspective and opinion. 
In order to do that in a healthy way, guys, there are vital signs that empower us to do that. So I want to give you three vital signs of a healthy heart, and I want you to uh, categorize them uh, under three H's. Try to do this very quickly. The first H is that the heart is a heavy thing. Now, please hear me. The heart in your chest, the cardia in your chest, in the, in the Greek, it's the word cardia. We get the words cardiology and cardiac from, amen, cardiovascular from. That weighs maybe 7 to 15 ounces. But that's your physical heart. The heart that God is talking about making music with in the earth is your heart that has a greater weight of glory. See, the Bible says in Proverbs 19.21, one of my favorite verses, it says, Many are the plans in a man's heart, but the purpose, somebody say purpose, of the Lord shall stand. In the Hebrew, the word there is actually prevail. It actually means to haunt. It means that you have a bunch of plans in your heart that you think you're going to do with your life. But God has a purpose for your life, and his purpose is going to prevail. And how many of you know that God's purpose has a way of haunting, that's another Hebrew uh, essence of the word, prevailing, uh, uh, prevalent, you know, something that has a prevailing, uh, a looming gloom about it. God's word or his purpose for your life is going to haunt everything else that you plan to do. Come on, anybody ever been there? You tried to run from God like Jonah? Come on, guys. You knew what God told you to do. He told you to give something, do something, be somewhere. And you decided you, were, you had other plans. And you found, like Jonah, that God's purpose for your life has much more weight. Somebody say weight of glory. The Bible says that each of us have a weight of glory about our lives. There's something bigger that you're called to do. So listen, let me wrap that part up. Since I know you get tired of going to your job, I know you get tired of the routines of life, maybe God has you on that routine, on that beat, because in that dimension, in that environment, you bring weight and glory to your job. You're the one that people know when something goes wrong that you know how to get a prayer through to God. Maybe that's why God has you there. Do you see how if you don't stay in the proper position, please remember your position always determines your perspective and your perspective always determines your opinion. So you always want to make sure you're in right position with God so that you see things properly. Because sometimes, like I said, it's not about you. It's for other people. Somebody say, I want to be a heavyweight in God. Come on, I want to be a heavyweight. I don't want to be a lightweight. I want to be a heavyweight. And God allows things to happen in your life because he knows that the weight in your life, his glory in your life is able to hold you down. Somebody say, hold me down, Jesus. Hold me down, Jesus. When the storms of life come, my anchor holds. Hold me down, Jesus. Do y'all remember growing up, the uh, weebles wobble, but they don't fall down? Y'all remember those? When I was little, I had, I had a mark. I had one of those big ones, you know, you could punch it, and it was weighted on the bottom. When you punch it, it would go down, but it would come right back up. Now, I'm telling you, some of you are weighted on the bottom. That's why no matter what the enemy brings in your life, it can't take you out. 
No matter what people say about you, no matter what people do to you, you seem to always find yourself bouncing back. Hallelujah. I want to tell you right now, bounce back, praise God. I don't know what the devil's done to you. I don't know what he said to you. I don't know how he's tried to destroy you, destroy your dreams, your hopes, your aspirations, your family, your marriage, your health. God says bounce back. You're weighted on the bottom. You're heavier than you're giving yourself credit for. Amen? In the midst of your trial, eat the food of the gods. Eat the food of champions. Eat the word of God when you're going through your trials. When God was bringing them through the wilderness, somebody say the wilderness. The wilderness is where the wilderness gets out of you. That's why God never takes you straight out of bondage into freedom because you would kill yourself with freedom. He takes you through the wilderness first because that's where you learn how not to be wild under your duress and stress. You learn to understand that there's something heavy going on here. Amen? That's why I overcame cancer twice, praise God, because there's something heavier in my life that I'm supposed to do. I'm supposed to be here to live and see the glory of the Lord in the land of the living. That's God's promise over my life. And though when I was going through all those crises, I wanted to quit, <laughs> but you got to learn how to understand that your feelings aren't always fact-based. Your feelings are not always truth. They're fact-based. And facts change, my brothers and sisters. Amen? Facts change. But the truth remains that through all your trials, God will bring you through them and cause you to triumph in all of your adversity. There's a verse on the heaviness that I think is important I want to give you regarding the heaviness of your heart. I told you that there's purpose in your heart that keeps you around, keeps you moving. And, um, but the heart is a very mysterious place also because God hides secrets about you in your heart. In Jeremiah 17, 9, you'll find God making mention that the heart of man can be desperately wicked, but God says, who can know it? You see, when, when God who knows everything says who can know something, you got to understand that he's given you a hint to how deep that heart can be. Your heart is full of things that God has perhaps not yet chosen to reveal. Jesus said in Matthew 6, he said that if thy eye be single, some might say if your heart be single, the goal is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. In essence, be single-minded. One thing I desired of the Lord that I will seek after, David said, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. David said, there's one thing I'm after here, right? I have, my, my life has become single. And Jesus said in Matthew 6, he said, if thy eye be single, then your whole body will be full of light, full of truth, full of illumination. The enemy won't be able to hide and fool you and trick you out of things because of your, your stress and your duress in a situation. Because though you're walking through a dark place, there's light in you. Amen? You're walking in the light of God. But Jesus also said, he said, but, but, but if the light that is within you be darkness, here it goes, how deep is that darkness? Folks, we hear things on the news that we just shake our head and say, how could somebody even think to say that or do that? It's satanically motivated because the only human being that could conjure up something wicked like that 
is a human being influenced by demonic and satanic forces. Are you hearing me? But when our lives are full of light, we see the enemy's devices. Amen? And we do not walk voluntarily into the traps and snares of the enemy. I need to say one more thing about the heaviness of your heart because in Proverbs 23, very powerful verse, and I felt this would bless you. It says that as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. So you got to respect the heaviness of your heart, guys. I mean, heavy not by physical weight, but the weight of its glory. Because God is saying that he looks on your heart and that your heart is who you are and the heart is who he sees you to be. The enemy is trying to sow bad seed in your heart. God is trying to sow good seed in your heart. But one of the things we struggle with, and I, I think I'll try to wrap up on this, we struggle with the things that we think and how we think bad things a lot. Come on, raise your hand. We, none of us have pure thoughts all the time. Raise your hand. I'm not the only one here that has had bad thoughts. And I used to wrestle with this. I used to say, Father, how can, you know, how can I escape these horrible thoughts? He says, David, you're missing the point. My word says, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. It's not what you think that makes you. It's how you think about what you think that makes you or breaks you. The quickest way I can show you guys is that you have to learn how to turn your swinging door of your heart. Jesus said in, in, a, in Revelation 3.20, behold, I stand at the door and I knock. He's talking about your heart. I stand at the door of your heart and I knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him. So your heart has doors. Are you with me? But what you got to learn to do, Carl, is change that door from a door that is on hinges. Somebody say you got to get off the hinges. Come on. Say I want a life that's off the hinges. I want God to get me off the hinges for him. Want God to rock my doors and give me instead of a swinging door that opens in and out. Because when you start off as a believer, your door opens in, so you let everything in. The door opens in. All somebody or something has to do is be on your step. It gets in. As you grow a little bit, you learn that your hinges flip and you have a door that opens out. That means anybody that has to come in has to first step back before they come in. That gives you a little more time to evaluate what and who is trying to come in. But that's not enough. Folks, you got to get all, off of the hinge type doors and you got to get a revolving door heart. <laughs> the Lord gave me this revelation years ago and it's been saving me ever since. You need the kind of door, the revolving door, like you would a glass revolving door. That when the enemy sends something into your heart, you can let it come in the revolving door, stop the door, and evaluate the quality of 
the guess that's coming, the thought that's coming. The Bible says we have the ability to cast down thoughts and imaginations that exalt themselves against the power or the, the, exalt themselves against the knowledge of Christ Jesus. We can bring those things into captivity and obedience. So we need a heart that revolves. We need the revolving door heart. We need to see things as they come, have that thin membrane called sanctification. Somebody say sanctification, where you get to look at something, you get to be up close to it, but you never become one with it again. I know you think you're fraternizing with things and entertaining thoughts. You know, you get too close sometimes. I know how that is. But let me tell you something. The Bible says that nothing will ever separate you from the love of Jesus Christ. Not demons, not angels, not things present, not things to come, not things high, not things low. Are y'all hearing me here? You have to believe God and say, God, I want you to grow me up to a place where you don't have to hide me away from the world, but you can send me into the world, and by the power of your might, I'm able to be a blessing to the world and keep oil in my lamp. Right? Keep fire in my lamp. Keep the word in my heart. David said, thy word have I hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. So when those things present themselves as lies, you have to have a heart that has the word of God in it to rise up. And if it doesn't match, you just spin that demon, that thought, that lust, that fear, that doubt right out of your door. Are y'all with me today? You need a revolving door, mind. Not a hinge door, guys. Somebody say, get off the hinges. Come on, say, get off the hinges. Let me wrap up here. The second H is your heart hurts, guys. And God wants you to understand that you have to guard your heart with all diligence because out of it flows the issues of life. The enemy is going to try to hurt you. If you want to be a music-making person, you know, not one that always needs music. Oh, please, can you make me feel good? Oh, I'm so, I'm so miserable. Oh, God, please, somebody help me feel better. No, if you're going to be that person, you know, enemies going to slap you all over the place. But if you're going to be that person that can go into a chaotic situation and bring cosmos, order, out of disorder, right, you're going to have to be the kind of person that has not only hurt it a little bit, but learned how to turn that hurt into power. You know, I love it on a can of starch one time. I was spraying my clothes, Carl, and the can, I read the can that said, caution, contents under pressure. <laughs> you got to teach the enemy that if you keep, I've learned already to be content in whatever state I'm in. You know, some of us, we're going through things, but we got to go through some things to appreciate that there's nothing that's going to separate you from the love of Jesus Christ. I don't care who abandons you. I don't care who rejects you. I don't care who says anything about you or your mama. God says he's never, ever going to let you go. And what you learn when you start to go through things in life and you learn how to receive them properly, you just get more and more pressure on the inside. And at some point, guys, it's just not good for the enemy to mess with you. It's just not good for him to mess with you because all you're going to do is keep praising. You're going to keep praising God. He, he messes with you, your family. You're going you're gonna to sing another song. You're going to turn up the music. God, somebody say, turn up the music. You can't think straight. You're getting doubts. Put on worship and turn up the volume. Drown out the doubts. Drown out the fears. Amen? How do you fight fear? 
You fight fear with faith, guys. You fight fear with faith, you know? How do you fight hate? You fight hate with love. Perfect love casts out all fear and worry. Amen. Hallelujah. That's how you got to survive. And Jesus said, and I'm just about done, he said, listen, in John 14, 1, he said, let not your heart be troubled. Believe. Believe in God and believe also in me. I'm telling you, if your heart is still getting hurt over every little thing, it's because you don't believe right. Stop believing anything and believe the word of God. Amen. Believe God. Jesus said, believe in God and believe also in me. Lastly, you're going to need help. Somebody say help. Everybody needs help. If you're going to be a music maker of the heart, you're going to need help, folks. You cannot do it alone. That's why we're always trying to encourage you. Come out to Wednesday night prayer. Come out. You know, stay around because this is how you get help. Everybody needs help. Amen. Everybody needs a little encouragement. David said in Psalm 46.1, he said, God is my refuge and my strength. In 2 Kings, Elisha 617, 2 Kings 617, Elisha is with his protege, and they're surrounded by armies, and he has to say to his, to his student, listen, listen, they who are with us is more than those who are against us. Then he prayed and said, Father, open his eyes that he might see. It wasn't his natural eyes. Open the eyes of his heart. That he might see that greater is he that is within me than he that is within the world. Sometimes you're not going to feel it, folks. But you got you to gotta know it in your spirit. David said, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For thou art with me. Thy word and thy spirit, the rod and the staff, they Comfort me. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For thou preparest a table before me in the presence of my enemies. I wonder if anybody in here knows that David said, when a man's ways please the Lord, it will cause even his enemies to love him. You know, sometimes I, I, I'm grateful that my mother named me David. She named me David Jonathan. How about that? You know, Jonathan was David's best friend. Sometimes I'm my own best friend because folks don't always like me. Because <laughs> my assignment in the body is sometimes a little rough. But I'm used to that now. But one thing I learned that I want to be like, David said, create in me a clean heart and renew the right spirit within me. You know, I pray that you will learn to maintain these vital signs, guys. <laughs> You're going to have to learn that you're heavy. There's something in you that the devil is afraid of. You're going to have to learn that, yeah, it's going to hurt sometime, but hurt all pain is not bad. Some pain will make you grow and make you stronger. And thirdly, 
you're going to have to understand that even the strongest among us, we need the help of the Holy Spirit. The Bible says that we can come boldly to the throne of grace to find help. Somebody say help. Come on, y'all say help. Sometimes you, don't, you can't be fancy with your prayer. You got to say, God, help me. If you don't help me, then nobody's going to help me. I need help. I shudder to say this and be out of time, but the girl, he, she was skiing. And um, as she was skiing, an avalanche occurred. She found herself buried in snow, tried to extricate herself, and she couldn't. When she was starting to realize that she may die, she said, well, you know what? I'm not going to die quiet. I'm going to die praising God. When the angels come, they're going to find me praising his name. And she began to kick her legs and sing songs. And she, you know how it is when you're under the snow, you start creating a little bubble for yourself. And she started creating, I guess, under snow angels. You know, <laughs> you, know you do it on top. Usually she's buried. And when someone dug her out, they said to her, we're so glad that you had those flares. And she said, I didn't have any flares. Well, you know what? Your praise, your thanksgiving, your worship in your hard times goes up as a sound unto God. And if you study that scientifically, every sound corresponds to a color. When you praise God, beautiful colors go up. To heaven, and God saw those colors like fireworks. So I want you this week, when stuff comes your way, when the enemy tries to bind you, cause you to fear, cause you to run, cause you to quit, cause you to cry, cause you to stumble. I want you to praise God with all your heart and all your might and all your strength. I want you to send up some fireworks. Hallelujah! Send up some fireworks, somebody. Let God find you. If nobody else finds you, let God find you. Hmm. Clap your hands if you know God will find you. God will find you. God will find you. The Bible says the Lord seeketh those who worship him in spirit and in truth. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, we give you honor and glory.